Hi, this is Katie Scheid. Uh, I'm an American living in France. I grew up in Maine, and now I'm a professional trail runner. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man, so you keep doing what you do, it, man. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey everyone, it's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? I decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler. I could probably run across the country. 100 miles is not that far. I am into it. Okay. I really want to feel the pain of running for a long time. Welcome to episode 217 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra, and we have a great episode. Katie Scheid, the female winner of UTMB. Check out episode 128 for some of her background. I think you know, we, we were fortunate enough to have interviewed Katie before her story really got out there. And I mean, what a race she had. So looking forward to sharing this episode with you. Big shout out to Exoskin. If you haven't already, check out their toe socks, regular socks, compression gear. It's all super high quality. Check out the show notes for the best coupon available for exoskin they've been a huge supporter of everything i do big shout out to tannery outdoors as runners we spend a lot of time outdoors in the sun it's important that we're protecting our skin tannery offers clean sun care products like spf lip balms mineral sunscreen and thereafter sun restorative moisturizer tannery just launched a new product which is their traditional sunscreen this leaves zero white cast and is similar to the mineral sunscreen in that it is sweat resistant and packaged from recycled materials. This is a great company, high quality products. Definitely check them out. Check out the show notes for a coupon code for Tannery Outdoors. Katie, it's been way too long. It's uh, We were just talking, what, the last time we talked was right before the world basically shut down uh early 2020 right yeah i was just saying i had a memory of explaining to you i was gonna go try some uphill laps in the resort because i had just uh twisted my ankle really badly and i remember it being the last day that i could kind of leave the house so (laughs) a lot has changed since then I mean, I'm I'm thankful you gave me a lot of time last time we chatted for almost an hour and a half, I think episode one twenty eight for the listeners background, but I started off that episode with you know, you haven't you haven't been interviewed many times. I wanted to make sure your story got out there and I mean, ironically now you're probably taking I mean, what's the media whirlwind been like since uh since that big day at UTMB? Um, but the day after it was actually okay. I only had two interviews. Um, but since then, yeah, it's kind of been, 
I feel like I've spent every evening up here uh, <laughs> uh, in kind of our office doing interviews, especially with people not in my time zone. So it's always been in the evening. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's it's been quite crazy this past week, uh, but it's hopefully starting to peter out a bit. I mean, it's fun to talk to people, but at some point it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's also nice to help make dinner. So. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. And I, I like to not like hound people like day of day after I like to kind of let you digest a little bit, but I also don't want to ask you about parts of the race. And it's like, Oh, like I can't really remember. It was so long ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, uh, welcome again, uh, to the geo morphology podcast where we, we don't just talk rocks. We talk about, what is it? The evolution topographical and I, I, I'm totally joking with you. I'm trying to trying to segue in the absolute worst and most embarrassing way possible. Um, <laughs> so, so after you test your ankle out, the world shuts down. I mean, what's the next six months, twelve months like for you during those shuts shutdowns? And for the listeners' background, Katie loves. It's schema, right? And skiing generally? I'm trying to recall. Yeah. Um, that year I wasn't competing that well. I mean, in the end, I couldn't compete in schema that year, but I wasn't planning to compete that much in schema that year, 2020. Um, but we live uh, in the snow, so it's what we do in the winter anyway. Um, and yeah, a well, lot has changed since then. I mean, we spent... I guess that was maybe March and we went from March until May uh, where we couldn't go more than one kilometer from our homes. And if you went outside, you had to sign a permission slip for yourself and have your ID and you were only allowed to be outside for one hour max, uh, which was, yeah, I think culturally, culturally it was really a shock to me because before I, I hadn't really noticed that I lived in another country. I, everyone always asked, oh, like, how do you like France or how do you like Switzerland? And for me, it was never like a different country. It was just, I live there. It's just a different city or a different town. Um, but that's when I was like, okay, this is something that would never, ever happen in the U.S. And that was, a, that was really tough. And it was very, I mean, it was hard for everyone. Of course, I'm complaining about like not being able to go outside. And of course there was families who were losing loved ones and there was people who were really sick. So it's hard to compare, but, um, it, yeah. that was tough. Um, how and was after it, that, how, how was it with your partner? I mean, you guys are outside. I mean, a lot of who you are is based on that time outside, whether it be together or not. And then, I mean, I assume you're kind of cooped up together. You're you're getting to know your significant other like no no other time. Um, yeah, I mean, we already spent like we spent <laughs> all our time together already, so it's just in a different location. Um, but yeah, no, that part was okay. It's just that. Um, yeah, it was just hard because we didn't know when we would be able to race again. So we were a little stressed, like, okay, we're not really, we can't really train how we want to, but people in other countries can. Um, 
and there there was different restrictions like in Spain they couldn't even really go outside at all whereas we could still kind of run around in circles outside and we bought a treadmill during that time uh so we we were kind of like in the middle range of restrictions where the u.s was clearly like uh it was the least restrictive even though everyone was (laughs) we were always making fun of the americans because they were saying oh we're in quarantine but then they would go for like a 30 mile run we're like okay that's (laughs) not how we describe it here right now but um yeah it was just kind of stressful because we're like okay but if we have to you know at that point we didn't know utmb was going to be canceled so we thought we were still planning to do utmb in august and we're like okay if everyone else can be running as much as they want right now but we can't like how are we going to be able to compete um so that was stressful but uh eventually we learned that all the races were canceled anyway so uh, we didn't would have been nice to know that at the time (laughs) yeah i mean i can't imagine that stress i mean you guys are pros so and, and that's your big a race of the year i mean you also have this side business, correct, at the time? I'm trying to recall. I remember getting like an invite or an email from you on on that camp that you guys do. I mean, that was probably heavily impacted with travel being shut down. Oh, we were helping organize a race, maybe. That's, I think it's yeah. called the one-in-one. Yeah, yeah we yeah, were yeah, helping yeah. organize yeah. Uh, this um, partner stage race. Uh, but that got canceled. I mean, it's literally the worst kind of event you can have during COVID because you're, everyone's camping together and eating together <laughs> for two days. So, yeah, that wasn't going to work out. Um, yeah, unfortunately, that event suffered. Um, but, no, we that's just something we help with. It's it's more our friend who organizes it, and we kind of, yeah, give well, when it as comes much back, help as we can. Yeah, it, I mean, when it comes back, I'll, I'll happily give them a shout-out. So keep me posted on that. I want to okay. try to help. It I, sucks it when things get. In, yeah. yeah, it should be happening in twenty twenty three. So okay, we'll um, that. so yeah. so you go from having just a like a spectacular sixth place at UTMB to then your whole life is turned upside down, like it is for many, and and like you said, you're still alive so it could have been much worse um how do you go from buying a treadmill being able to only work out one hour a day outside to winning utmb like what's the progression like what's the what are like the big highlights and obviously i want to hear the details on on your race this year as well um, well, there was a whole year in between that, <laughs> so it wasn't that immediate. Um, but yeah, in 2019, uh, yeah, I was sixth at UTMB, but I had a horrible, well, that year was like an okay day. I mean, it wasn't good, but it wasn't absolutely horrible. Um, I think it was just UTMB was too much for me at that time. I wasn't ready for the distance or, or all the like energy around the race, um, yeah, looking back, I can see that now that I definitely just was not ready. It was too much. Um, and then, yeah, the COVID year, we were able to race one race, actually, uh, one ultra race at home, just in the neighboring valley. Um, it's called UTCAM, uh, the Ultra Trail Côte d'Azur Mercantour. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that they actually were, it was one of the only ultras that happened in um, Western Europe. And so there was actually quite a big Spanish contingent, um, some other French runners. So it ended up being pretty competitive in the end. And so we did kind of get one race, uh, one like ultra race. We also did another local race that year. Um, So it kind of gave us a bit of a gauge on how things were going. And then the following year is when we did UTMB again. Uh, and last year we did also, the spring was still complicated. Things were still canceled. And then we did Lavaredo and then UTMB. So yeah, that was the resume of last year. <laughs> it was, it was like, a great year for you. It really was. And for the listeners background, I had set up an interview and just like, it didn't work out, but I, I mean, I, I recall like specifically wanting to have you on uh, along with your partner. I thought that would be an awesome episode just because you guys both had taken top tens at UTMB. And yeah, I could see the progression for sure. I mean, did you feel like you were yeah, progressing? It, no, um, I felt last year for me was really hard. I had it just like nothing on paper, I understand that it looks good and that's great. But for me personally, it did not feel like a progression. It felt like a step back. And I just didn't have the same like sensations when I was racing as I had in past years. So it was really hard for me. Um, I wasn't sure. Like I thought, okay, I've done, I've been training for so many years, like so many years, I don't know, since 20, like, I had started training more seriously like in 2017 and I just felt like 2020 was kind of like a small step backwards from 2018 um, and 2019. So it was kind of hard for me. And I was, yeah, at the end of the season, I was just kind of, I just didn't feel that great. I, I didn't really know why I just was pretty disappointed and had had some races that I was not super happy about. Um, so yeah, I was excited to move into the schemo season and kind of like forget all of, all of the running season and then have like a fresh start. You used the word like sensations. You weren't feeling the same sensations. Was that like, so like during the race itself, you just weren't enjoying it or, or explain sensations to me. Yeah, I was really stressed. I think I was too stressed. I think the year off kind of, I with that whole like COVID year of not racing, but just racing the one race kind of at home, which is pretty comfortable. Um, I had sort of forgot what it's like to race and like forgot my mindset on like how to uh, approach a race. And that, yeah, all of last year, I just felt like every start line, I was just too stressed. Like I wasn't that confident in myself. I was overly nervous for no reason when it's like a sport that I love and I don't need to, like, I shouldn't have that much pressure on myself. Of course, we have pressure on ourselves because we train a lot and want to do well, but it was a bit too much uh, to the point where I felt like it was holding me back. Um, and I actually think it helped that this whole winter, this whole schemo season, I raced so much. I was racing like every other weekend. And so 
competition just became like a normal, a normal thing. And I could be at a race and be like stressed in a good way, like excited and nervous because I, yeah, because I was nervous for the race, but, but in a positive way. Um, so I think that helped a lot. And just so that's, coming that's into fascinating. Like I, I, I would have bet everything on the schema season, helping you physically develop for this race season. Uh, but it sounds like you actually picked up more mental training in, in that side of things uh, through schemo this year. Yeah, I think in ultra running, since you don't race all the time, when you have a bad race, it's really hard because you say you have, like, for example, in 2021, so last year, when I finished UTMB, like, I was destroyed mentally because it was just such a horrible day for me. Like, I, I yeah, it was really not a good day. And and that's how I finished my running season was just on this day where I was just felt like I couldn't do anything right. And then you don't have another chance to race another ultra until like the spring. So you, this is like the feeling, the your memory of your last race is like always, it could be always bad if you just finished on a bad race and you don't have another chance for so long. But with Schemo, since I was racing all the time, like, for example, the Pyramenta, which is a four-day stage race, the first two days I w- felt really good, and then the th- or maybe it was the second or third day I had I again had like you know a bad day, I didn't feel good, it, bad feelings during the race. But then you have another day, and then oh now today I feel good. Okay, so you see that it's not a permanent thing when you have one bad race. You can you have a second chance, and I think that let me kind of see like okay i had a bad race it's okay i can set it aside and like have a good race tomorrow the time scale is different on ultra running but i think it let me mentally like (laughs) move past that and i mean were you having success with schema like were you are you winning races or i don't know what the competitive nature of it is i know it's insane over in in europe uh I'm surprised it's not picking up a little bit faster here in the States, but I mean, are, yeah, are you, are you uh, going out to like seriously compete and win those type of races or I, I don't know. No, I, I can win the local races, but then there's okay. a whole, there's like the world cup circuit. I, I will never in my life win a race on the world cup. Like those girls okay. have been skiing since they've been on like ski ski since they were three years old. So I, it's pretty hard to just show up and, <laughs> and win a race. Yeah, um, yeah no, the, the, the true schemo athletes are training for that the entire year. So right now they're on uh, roller skis. They're like cycling. They're doing their VO2 max intervals. So when you're running UTMB, you are not uh, doing the same preparation as them. So <laughs> it's a different thing. I mean, there's a few people you see who can kind of kind of insert themselves in both, but they're normally doing shorter trail races if they do that. And it's really hard to manage. Um, so tell yeah. me about spring 2022. You're, it sounds like you're coming off some positive, probably mental gains more than anything uh, through Schemo. I mean, do you have races on the schedule? Is Is it just assumed if you are a top 10 at UTMB, you're most likely coming back? 
Um, I wanted to come back to UTMB, well, for a few reasons. One, uh, we we normally plan our running season in the fall of the previous year. So, like, around now, I would be planning next year. And at this time last year, it still wasn't certain if Jamal, my partner, would be allowed to enter the United States. Uh, he still wasn't allowed to enter the United States in September last year. Um and they, so we didn't plan anything around going to the U.S. Uh, just because we weren't, we didn't want to like plan a whole thing and then him not be able to go to the U.S. Uh, so we said, okay, we'll stay in Europe again for this race season. And if you're going to stay in Europe for an ultra running season, then if there's no reason to not do UTMB, it's <laughs> it's the event of the year. So uh, yeah, I was also looking to have a good day there after two not great days. So yeah, that was a given that we would do UTMB again. And then it was just choosing what to do ahead of time. So I had, I had really wanted to do a new race because we had already done the 90 K du Mont Blanc and Lavaredo, which are kind of the same, like end of June, beginning of July timeframe that like seems to work well with UTMB and when we were in the Pyrenees for uh, some schemo races this winter, I was like, oh, you know, there's this whole other mountain range in France that I've only been to once in my life. It would be really cool to do an ultra here. And I saw that there was a, the race, the Val d'Aron by UTMB mm-hmm. that was going to be there um, in July at like this good time frame as kind of a preparation for UTMB. So I... Yeah, it was like, okay, I'm really interested in that race. Uh, it seems fun. Like, I want to do it. Um, so those were kind of my two ultra races of the year. I'd also planned to do Madeira. <laughs> uh, we had both planned to do Madeira, but then uh, we got COVID two weeks before. And, okay. yeah, called, called it good. We, yeah, didn't want to, like, mess around with that. So, yeah, um, that was my... How- how much of this other mountain range did you want to visit because of the race and how much of it was the uh uh the doctor side of you um wanting to just check out a different like a completely different space that's close to you and understand how it all interacts and kind of nerd out a little bit No, it was just like a new region to see. I mean, there, we have so many I feel like in France, the trail running races, like if you are a trail runner in France, you can kind of just get stuck in the Alps, uh, especially like around Chamonix. So I just thought it it just seemed like a nice opportunity to try something new. Um, And I hadn't, Lavaredo has a really nice uh, ambiance, like around the race, like great energy, but the route itself is yeah, it's a lot of dirt roads. It's really runnable. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know what? I have more fun on technical, steeper things. And Valderon was, uh, everyone had told me it was uh, pretty technical. I was like, okay, great. I, I know that I'm going to like have a good time doing that. So yeah, that was my main motivation. My my geomorphology jokes are falling hard today. They're they're not working out so well. I'm, I'm trying desperately, but... <laughs> <laughs> and congrats on your PhD, by the way. In all honesty, thank you. Um, that's yeah, that was my serious other dedication. Career. Like, <laughs> you, it took like six years or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
that's I mean that's wild uh, with all the shutdowns and everything else going on in your life. So tell me about this race. It seemed to go okay. Um, yeah, well, in the end, let's see, because we hadn't raced Madeira, um, Germain kind of changed his whole race schedule and decided that he also wanted to come to Valderon. At the beginning, it was just going to be me. Um, so he decided to do the 100-mile race, and I did the 100K. And, yeah, it was it was a great event. Um, and it was nice to be kind of in a new region and have the – the Spanish cheering, cheering crowds around, which are always like very energetic. Um, and yeah, it's a real trail race. Uh, the trails are not like buffed highways like UTMB. It's yeah, it's like real mountain trails and it was technical and yeah, just a really nice region. I, I would like to go back, um, and spend some more time there. I have a feeling you, you both will be welcome back. <laughs> Uh, very quickly. <laughs> so in terms of timing, though, was this also so it was a perfect place it was like semi local. I, I assume it wasn't too far away, right? I mean, it was probably what? Uh, it's on hours? the other side of France. So it was like an eight hour drive. Eight hours. Okay. So but yeah, it's in, in the, the US, same country. It's that far. But for yeah. France, that's like, that's yeah. like really Go far all away. The way across. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, the timing did you select it? I mean, this timing, this hundred K kind of like blowout training and then like try to hold on to that part of your training into a hundred plus mile race. I mean, is that in the back of your head? Is this like very strategically lined up for training reasons as a lot, you know, in addition to everything else we just mentioned? Yeah, for sure. It was, um, I think it falls at a good time, like enough space from UTMB that you can still train in between and, but like close enough that you can still have some, yeah, use it. I, I don't like saying training race because when I race, I'm not training, like I'm not there to do a training, like I'm racing. It's still an all out effort, but, um, yeah, kind of use it as a, as a big stimulus, let's say. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't just a long run for you? Uh, no, <laughs> that's I, good. No, that's I good to know. No. You take your races serious, like very serious, and you're very selective. And I think a lot of elites are probably following what you're doing a little closer now. Um, but you're you're very very smart with um, how you're you're going about this. I mean, what is your philosophy? Like, is there a certain time where you want to have your big uh, long run slash race to then is it that eight weeks for you or is there a certain time in between the main like a goal of a goals for the year like UTMB yeah well my main goal is to be able to run like as many years as possible and so in order to do that, I think it's important to space out races and also be really selective about what I'm actually most motivated to do and not like dilute myself. Um, so normally we choose three race, three ultra races and space those out. Um, yeah, from normal, like in the past, we've tried to do Madeira and then end with UTMB. Um, 
but yeah, that's changed like every year because of COVID and then, yeah, because of the pandemic and then because we got COVID, you know, it changes mm-hmm. all the time. But um, yeah, I think it's, I can't imagine racing 200 milers in a year. I know people do that, but I don't really think it's for me. I think I might lose some motivation if I did that. But I see that some people can do it very successfully. So who knows? But for me, it's not something I, that really interests me. I don't me. know anyone that, you know, does that. Um, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I'm obviously doing a movie on that. Um, let's see. So... And I have just one or two like Patreon related questions. People were really excited to catch up with you on this podcast. Um, and they wanted to hear fascinated by what we don't see um, in the training block leading up to UTMB, like in terms of vert technicality and like mentally what you're doing. Um leading up there i probably butchered the question but i mean i guess people Um, are interested in i put everything on strava is there is there anything that we don't see on strava that you're doing um in terms of that training block and lead up like are you because the mental side of this is equally as big as anything for for someone of your caliber um do you mentally train during this block or are you just physically gaining confidence to the point where um like you're getting pumped up and excited to just push um so i would say like first the things that you don't see on strava are the well one is that i do some strength training and i don't put that on strava um and then I also like in the buildup to a race, I try to run on like terrain that's similar to the race. So here at home, um, I actually have to make an effort to run on less technical trails for UTMB um, because it is just like, there's basically, I don't know, maybe 400 meters of the course that's technical um, when you pass the pyramids. Uh, so I make an effort to run on runnable trails, (laughs) which we don't have a lot of. So sometimes I have to go to the same place more than I would like to. Um, but I try to keep it fresh. (laughs) Uh, that's really, that's helpful, honestly. Yeah. Um, and then mentally I have worked with a sports psychologist a bit, but it's more, I would say it's more on the side of like, standard like if you were to work with a standard psychologist Mm -hmm. um more just on like checking in mentally not necessarily about the race but just as as katie the person and i think that's an important part is to like be grounded within yourself outside of sport obviously before you like get into the nitty-gritty of how you feel during a race um because i actually think during races especially this year i've I, I don't have any like serious like mental challenges um, for sure in the past I have. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it's just more important to be on the start line, like happy and ready to race. You had a different perspective. It seemed like just 
being right there, camera zoomed in on every every face coming by, like you're you were registering it different. I felt like your perspective was maybe greater and maybe it's because you've done the race so many times, but you had this smile where you're like taking it in. Um, I just, I wish I could have like just had any idea of like what you're thinking walking up to the start line. I don't know. I don't feel like you were nervous at all. I feel like you were, you were humble and just taking it in almost like as people were freaking out. I don't know what, what was going through your head? Cause you were calm. It seemed like you were pretty calm. Um, you know, those, those race introductions, like the start line, that sort of stuff. Like what's going through your head? How were you feeling there? Yeah, it was very calm. I was very calm. This you were year, too actually. calm. Okay. Um, <laughs> what the heck? I think because I've, I've already been there two times. Like I've already been freaking out on the start line two times. Like I, I was just like, all right, enough. Like this, I've had horrible days here, crossed the line and been like so embarrassed uh, that I just feel like even if I have a horrible day, like I already know what that feels like and I'm ready for it. Um, so yeah, I think I was just like, all right, I know how bad this could be. So I, and I, and I can accept that if that's what's going to happen. Like I know that I can go through that, but I, I also am like ready to not feel like that and can, yeah, just see like <laughs> if we can do this loop without <laughs> without crying in the middle. <laughs> yeah. So good night of sleep, day, two days uh, prior to the race? Oh, so there's no. a little bit complicated <laughs> this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, we had somebody in our house test positive for COVID on Thursday. Uh, and the race started on Friday. So I immediately left uh, like the chalet that I'd been staying in with everybody who was there to support me and also my partner. Uh, so that was quite, yeah, that was quite difficult the day before the race to just like suddenly just kind of say goodbye to everybody who like is there for you. And it feels super selfish because all these people, like all these people are there just for you. And then you're just like, okay, well I'm going to leave now. (laughs) And that was pretty difficult. Um, but luckily my coach Jason Coop was there and like talked some sense into me and like, yeah, was super helpful. Like showed up with some tests. We made sure I was like still testing negative and then he moved me to the place where he was staying. And so I was able to like kind of have a room there for that night uh, before the race. So then I was just that's good, like, that's a good coach, room. man. Yeah. He takes yeah. care of uh, next level. Yeah. 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 He was also crewing for me. So. Wow. I didn't know was, that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I so mean, was, um, such a blur. A, I, I should have paid attention. I didn't know he was crewing too. Cool. Yeah. It was quite a bit of stress the day before the race. Um, and I think that's also why I was super calm the next day. Cause I was just like, wow, I just went through an emotional ringer yesterday and I just feel like I have no emotions left to like. <laughs> Interesting. And give 
give to anybody else. <laughs> That's the look. That's what was going on in your head. You're just like, I need to just run and get away from this shit for yeah, a while. Yeah, I, like, I just, yeah, I was like, ah, oh, this has just been so stressful. I just want to do the running part now. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this race starts at 6 p.m. Like in the lead up, are you at all trying to kind of sync up with that? Because it's really hard, even if you're trained. No, no not at all. Just no add caffeine and go yeah i just had a cup of coffee with like my early dinner yeah Yeah. and and so race evening is weird to say uh i mean it, it seemed like you were you were calm uh i mean any other like last kind of thoughts that you were having or or things that happened just right before the uh start line Uh, no, I just walked from the house to the start line and the security guys didn't believe that I could enter into the like front elite, uh, start block. (laughs) So I had to like convince them that I, I could actually go there. (laughs) Um, I think it was my pink striped shorts that threw them off. They're like, no way is this girl supposed to be up here. (laughs) Wait, you're sponsored Um, by North Face? (laughs) (laughs) um someone went wild the day before the race at the north face outlet mall um no i'm just kidding what what was it like walking through the streets before the race like seeing the excitement from other runners that you know were just this was their dream race they'd worked years to just be able to run it one time like were you seeing that type of stuff or were you so focused you were kind of like zeroing in already mentally uh no not really because the the elite uh like wave you enter like you enter in the opposite direction of the start so you enter in a different place than everybody else actually so and i also they send you a text saying that you have to be there at five thirty, but i know that it's like a french organization so actually you can get there way later and so I waited so that I didn't have, because it was raining, so I didn't want to stand. Normally, I would get there closer to 5.30 just to respect the timing, just to be clear. But it was raining, so I was like, okay, I'm going to wait until it's closer so I don't get too wet or cold just standing there. So I waited until, like, I don't know, 15 minutes before the start. Uh, so actually, I think everybody else was already in their start area. So I didn't really see that many people. Okay. Yeah, you, I mean, you were right in line with uh all all the major runners that came in through that that way. And so I asked you this question and um there was just post race there was a bunch of press that were asking you questions. I was trying to like not loosen you up, but like joke around a little bit. They're all asking like these heavy serious questions and so um I I figured I'd make full use of having a press credential (laughs) to ask you, um, did you go out too hard? I don't know if you remember me asking you that. Um, and I, I'm not sure exactly. There was a lot of people. There there were like 30 people like hounding you with questions. And then I finally got a turn. I was like, so Katie, did you go out way too hard at the start? Like just to like lighten the mood? It was like, 
It was, it was comical. Um, but tell me about the hard start. I mean, you, you were aggressive, um, but it seemed like you're also running your own race too. So like what's going through your mind there? Cause you're, you're in the lead. You're, you're, and it wasn't by like a tiny bit early on. You were, you were pretty, um, far removed from the pack. Yeah, I didn't know how, I had no idea, like, where I was time-wise with the other girls or with the men. So, and it's hard to know. I I mean, people tell you that, obviously, I knew that I was the first girl because we all start on the same line. And I had been with, like, a few of the other girls and I saw there was nobody in front of me. Um, But, yeah, I know I didn't. I knew that I was going faster than in previous years, but I also knew that I was way more fit than in past years and that... I felt more relaxed and I just, the effort to me felt, yeah, fast because everybody starts too fast at UTMB, but also just felt like under control. Um, I didn't really freak out at all until (laughs) we were coming into the first um, aid station with assistance at Lake Contamine. And I had remember, I remember um, Esther Kendall was crewing me, um, at that aid station, Coop started at, um, Cormier. And I remember telling her like, right. She was in my room with me right before I walked to the start. And I remember telling her, okay, yeah, I'll be there around nine ten. I looked at my watch when we were just about to get to the aid station and it was 10 of nine. And I was like, Oh shit. Like this, uh, I hope she's there because I am 20 minutes early. <laughs> <laughs> but actually so when i looked down at my watch i was like oh wow okay maybe (laughs) this is too fast what mile Um, is this again um just for the listeners background it's 30k 30k and you're 20 minutes ahead of schedule so but so hmm. i was freaking out but i will tell you that after the race i learned that they had changed part of the course there and so i think we were everybody was about like five to 10 minutes ahead of schedule. So I was maybe 10 minutes ahead of schedule, actually. <laughs> I, I think you were five, I think, and I'm probably totally wrong. This is just based on my memory being there. I think you were almost five minutes ahead of second place female. So, yeah, I think it, yeah, it was something like that there. And I think it was more there. It was impressive. I think it was, yeah, it was five in Saint Gervais. So I think it was more like seven or 10 there. Okay. And and so in the back of your head, are you ratching back or are you just in the zone feeling good and like, well, maybe maybe today is my day? Like, what's going through your head? On it, yeah. So the part, the beginning, most of the beginning is what I would describe as not my terrain. So I was thinking, okay, well, I just did that pretty fast. And now it's the stuff that I actually feel like I'm good at. Um, that's coming up. So I had no reason to like slow down because I knew that I was managing my effort based on how I felt. I was like, I still had this small voice, like in the back of my head, like, will I completely explode at some point? (laughs) But I just stuck with it and was like, you know what? I've completely exploded before and I made it to the end. So let's just see what happens. Um, nice. And yeah, after that, nice. after like Pontamine, you go out and you have a a pretty nice climb up to Col du Bonhomme, and I really like that climb. So yeah, I was just like, okay, just how cool. Keep. I mean, 
can you try to explain Notre Dame, like the the climb with people lining both sides as you're Oh yeah. Is that is that, that unique? Really I mean loud. I've never experienced that firsthand anywhere ever in trail running and ultra running. Oh okay. In ultra running, yeah. Uh no, but in I've experienced like similar things in sky running. Um but yeah, not normally in ultra running. It's uh, very, not in the very U.S. Loud. Not in the U.S. At least, like, <laughs> um, yeah, no, in Spain and Italy, you'll see that at sky races or shorter races. Um, but yeah, it's very loud, and honestly, it's like it's cool, but I'm always happy when it's quiet again. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> interesting. I mean, they are wild, like, and yeah. I it's had a, like, a lot of hands on my butt. Too many hands on my butt. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that's disturbing. <laughs> well, it's um, like, the, you know, they're like trying to push you, but this is a bit too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. Um, I, I just remember the big, like, glowing ball thing. It's like a party, like, disco ball thing that they have up there. And just, like, it's basically, like... The craziest scene I've ever witnessed, but yeah, didn't didn't capture any uh, uh, hands on butts. So sorry to hear that. That's no seriously, it's like disturbing. Um, and and from there, it finally quiets down. And is it more climbing, or have you kind of plateaued? And uh, I mean, tell me more about getting around that side of the mountain. Uh, yeah, after Notre Dame, it kind of climbs, uh, like slowly, uh, like roll, like a rolling climb. But then after that, you have a steeper climb up to Col de Bonhomme and then a steep descent into, um, Le Chapieu, which I also have a lot of, I know a lot of people who were cheering there. So that was also nice. Also very loud. Um, but yeah, nice to like kind of try to find faces with the headlamp in the dark. And how are you feeling? Is is the dark and night like that cycle normally like at least for me I've I, I mean I think for most people you're trying to like your your natural rhythms are like it's almost bedtime and you slow down a little bit. Like are you feeling that at all or is the excitement of the race keeping your adrenaline going enough? Uh, for me, I get the, the like tired feeling usually at sunrise, not in the night. Uh, so there I was fine. Um, I, in the past, I've kind of struggled with the night running parts of races, which is very common in Europe to like start in the evening or at night. And I've really not liked it, but this year, I just, yeah, as you said, I just felt super calm, and I I know the course very well now, so I knew all the time where I was and, like, what was coming, so I just felt relaxed, and, yeah, it, it was nice, actually. <laughs> I mean, because you, you've done CCC, you've done UTMB twice prior, is that correct? Yeah, C- yeah I know, so, uh, you know the, I know course the CCC really well. course really yeah. well. And then I've also come to do recon on the Lake Contamine to Cormier the last two summers. So, yeah. And you're uh, a geolo- 
geology major. I mean, so like you've built a mo- like a mental model of this course, like no other, like very few people have. I mean, is that benefiting you to know like when to push, when to hold back, kind of how to pace yourself? Or are you just going on flow regardless of, and, and just going on how you're feeling regardless of knowing exactly like where you are and, and what's in front of you? Yeah, I think it helps to know what's coming, like, especially in the night, if you know, okay, I know that this climb is uh, really long, so I definitely want to use my poles, or I know that, oh, this is just a tiny climb in the middle of a descent, and I don't need to get my poles out, or, um, yeah, knowing where downhills begin, like, kind of being able to yeah to to just knowing things ahead of time i think is nice um but i i would say most of the people running at the front of the race have done quite a bit of recon and know the course we're getting to the point where the people like the professional like the elite athletes who are there to really race utmb are putting in a lot of time ahead of time on the course and know it very well so i would say it's not that special that i knew it so it's it's enough though to to not lose to a competitor with even more course knowledge. It, I mean, safe to say, right? That sorry, that what? It, you have enough. You have enough uh, course knowledge that it is relative, like relative to your competition, you're equal. Worst case, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and then get us to Cormayor. Like how how is that? It sounds like that's probably when this, uh, it's still nighttime, guessing. Yep, still night. So I was supposed to get there, I don't even remember the time, but I had like planned my headlamp thinking I would only need my headlamp for two hours after Cormier. But luckily at the last minute, I put an extra battery in, in my headlamp bag, which is good because I had more than two hours of darkness after Cormier because I was going so fast. So I needed the, the that could have been catastrophic. I mean, yeah, yeah. Seriously, I mean, you have a phone on <laughs> well, you, but yeah. No, I mean, I I could have uh, kept one of my headlamps that I did the okay. the like Lake Hontamine to Cormier with, but yeah, it would have been a little bit more <laughs> complicated. Um, so yeah, I came into Cormier. I was beginning to not be so interested in sugary things um so i saw it as my stomach kind of being like hey uh we're we're not super happy right now but it's still working <laughs> and yeah i had uh i changed my shoes and socks there and nothing really eventful happened uh what but then eating? yeah if, go, go ahead in, i'm sorry in the station yeah, if you if you go from sugary, are you are you going more salty or, or what? How did that change? Yeah, in the aid station, I was mostly just eating chips, I think, mm-hmm. and coke. Um, yeah, and then it was after that when I really like I thought I could still manage the sugary stuff. I just wasn't that interested in it. Um, and then after that, like after Cormier, I kind of had to force feed the sugary stuff and was having trouble getting it down and got super lightheaded, came into Arnova, which is the last aid station before Grand Colferre. 
and realized like, okay, I need sugar super fast or I'm going to really bonk hard here. And a volunteer cracked open a brand new bottle of Coke, <laughs> poured it into my flask, which was like almost all bubbles. Uh-huh. And I chugged like a flask full of bubbles, essentially, and walked outside the aid station, puked everything up, um, which was weird for me because I've never done that during a race before. And luckily, my friend uh, Sebastian was there, uh, like cheering. And he looked at me and was just like, okay, it's really cold. You should put on your jacket. You should put on your jacket right now. You should zip up your jacket. And I was like, okay, I just listened to what he tells me to do. <laughs> so, so I put on my jacket and I just kept going. <laughs> if, if you slow down, if you slow down a little bit, I mean, sometimes they'll still have Coke available, but it'll definitely be flat. So I highly recommend yeah. it, you know. Like middle back of the pack, we never have problems with brand new bottles of Coke because we're just happy if a little's left. Um. <laughs> uh, for my own aid station, I do I flatten my Coke ahead of time. So when I'm at oh, aid totally. station with my crew, yeah. it's it's flat Coke. It's just when you show up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me more about this coat thing. So, like, you were probably running little hot not realizing how cold it is like there's a lot going on there a lot of i mean you're also what you're 60 percent of the race in i think maybe 70 almost is that mm, right not quite time wise yeah not um, just over half and you got a big climb that goes pretty high up and it gets pretty cold the higher you go there I mean, you're listening to Sebastian. I mean, get us get us to the top of that climb. Yeah, it was, I mean, the temperature, it's hard to manage your temperature when you're um, in an effort like that, especially when you're kind of bonking. You kind of like, that's the least of your worries. You're just like, okay, I need sugar. I need to figure out what to do. So it actually, I don't think it was really that, cold actually um i was already wearing gloves and sleeves and a headband uh and i had a i think i had my buff on my neck also so it wasn't like i was in a tank top um marianne when she passed me was also was actually like no gloves no sleeves she was just in a t-shirt so it wasn't that cold and i'm someone who normally would wear a t-shirt even if it's cold (laughs) but i think it helped i think it just helped me like maybe just feeling warm again helped me feel a little bit better. It also gave my brain something to do, which could help. Yeah. <laughs> um, and right after that, uh, Seb's brother, Silvan, who I, who's also a friend, like he was kind of running near, but near me and he came through the aid station at a similar time. So I just took the opportunity to kind of just stay, uh, like in his heels basically, and just use him to like kind of drag me up. <laughs> yeah no it's climb. that's great um, so like nice almost having know. a pacer yeah. yeah it's cool yeah he had no idea i was behind him because he had like music playing that i could hear <laughs> <laughs> i think he kind of knew i was behind him at one point but yeah i was just like okay just like look at his feet and just follow him and um yeah but marianne came up behind us pretty quickly and took her time to like to pass at the top and 
Um, but yeah, that, she looked super good. So what was that like mentally? Like you, you, at, at one point you were like 10, 15 minutes in the lead. You know, you're having a low, we all know like the energy cycles throughout a hundred, everyone's going to have at least one or two. I mean, what's going through your head at the top and like when Marianne passes you, I mean, are you starting to question things or like, how, how are you handling that? Are you bonking so bad that it's just like, yeah, like that's just matter of fact or, or what's going through your head there? Yeah, I think I was in, I was not doing well. And I think my main goal was to like, not feel like shit anymore. So when she passed me, it was like, okay, clearly she's having a great day. She looks super strong. Like, uh, there's nothing I can do to change that. All I can do is try to make myself feel better. Um, and yeah, I w- was kind of like, I don't know if I can make it to Chante Lock. Like I've, I was, yeah, really at a big, big low. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not even sure how I made it all the way down. But I do remember that, like, my main goal for this race was to finish without a headlamp. And I knew that I was already so far ahead of, like, the timing that I could finish, that I could probably still finish without a headlamp. And so that was kind of the goal that kept bringing me forward, where I was like, okay, I can... I could probably still reach this goal. I don't, I like really didn't care about my place. Um, I just really wanted to finish without a headlamp and have like a time that I knew that I was capable of. And I also knew that even though I didn't feel very good, well, I felt really bad. uh, I still, my legs were not as painful as they had been in the past in that same spot. So I was, I had that in my head too, like, okay, but remember last time, like I could barely run down this and right now I'm running, even though I feel really, really bad, I'm still running. Uh, so it gave me a bit of, yeah, a bit more confidence. I love that descent. Like that is like the most perfect grade available ever anywhere. Um, (laughs) so it's nice that you had legs there. Like, uh, I can't imagine having to walk it down, uh, and so I, I've talked to Marianne and she said there's a moment where you had a sandwich that was like the game changer. This is the only question that she she told me to ask you is like, where where did you have the sandwich? And we got to hear that story because it's like, it's kind of hilarious. I, I love it. But anyways. Yeah, so I would say there's two things. So first I arrived in the Fuli and I had a bunch of friends there and um the camera crew who was following me is also a bunch of friends and they were like doing silly things with the car. One of them almost fell out of the car. So I was kind of distracted by watching them <laughs> do all that. And uh, oh. yeah, I have remembered that my friend Kami Bruyas, uh, who was second at UTMB last year and had like a super great day. Uh, she had told me, Oh yeah, I like to take cheese from aid stations during races like it feels good in my stomach. And I was like, that's really weird because cheese like doesn't have any carbohydrates. So like, that seems useless. Like, why would you ever take something that doesn't have carbohydrates during a race? <laughs> this is like my science brain. <laughs> and I had always thought, Oh, that's so funny that Kemi does that. And then I was coming into La Fouli and I was like, okay, I can't eat any of my sugary stuff that's in my bag anymore. 
I, I know what's in the UTMB aid stations because it's the same every year. It's never good. I really don't like their aid stations. Everything is dry and like, yeah, it's just not great. But I knew that there was the cheese that Cammy had mentioned and I knew that there was bread. And I was like, okay, maybe I just, I'm just going to try to eat something that isn't sugary. So I took a few pieces of cheese and I was like, wow, this feels nice actually. Like I, my body is happy that I'm eating this. So then I tried to find some bread that wasn't stale, which is difficult to do. Um, but God. I was like, yeah, because UTMB might not invite you back talking so much smack about their bread. Well, they, <laughs> their aid stations are terrible. Um, they, they cut all the bread, I think like the day before. So even like, I think at that point I was running like in the top 20 or top 30. And like, if you think that only 25, I don't know, maybe 25 people had passed and all the bread is already stale. I was thinking about the people behind me, like, whoa. So I saw, anyway, I saw the woman cutting a fresh loaf of bread and I was like yelling to her and then the, and, and I had to like yell to her to get a, a fresh piece of bread that was a bit softer so then I took a, like some bread and some crackers and wrapped some some of the bread around cheese. And I was like, okay, great. I found some things to eat. And then when I left the aid station, uh, I saw a friend uh, from the North Face and was telling and like yelled to her like, oh, I got a cheese sandwich. <laughs> and that's, that's how the cheese sandwich began. <laughs> I mean, grilled cheese, game changer, quesadilla, game changer. But I mean, what's what's the scientific brain thinking about cheese now? How's that? How did that actually help you? I I would guess just calories, just just the fat content yeah. is what yeah. your body really needed. But I don't know. I think my stomach was well. I had puked like I don't know an hour or two, an hour and a half before maybe. So I think I just really needed to put something in my stomach that wasn't sweet because I was just done with sweet. So. Yeah, maybe just like the feeling of having a real, like, quote unquote, like real meal. And it's not really a meal, but <laughs> it was also sunrise. So, yeah, I think it was kind of like, kind of just gave me a new start to the day. And and so when, tell me about retaking the lead and kind of what's going through your head there. Because I want to say, Champelac, like you were, I think you were still in second. And I think it was the mm-hmm. next segment or two where um, you really started picking up steam. Yeah, so Marion had quite a bit of time on me at one point. I think she had over half an hour on me uh, somewhere between La Foulie and Champelac. And people were like, you know, people I passed, other people were giving me splits. And yeah, I've heard it at least 30 minutes at some point, And I was like, okay, well, that's like completely done like I don't even need to ask for splits anymore like she just took 30 minutes on me in like 40 minutes so (laughs) there's like no chance Uh, but then I came up I was coming up Champelac the climb right before the the aid station and uh, Megan Hicks was there uh, from Iron Far and she told me something like oh you're only I don't know like 11 minutes behind and I was like what that makes no sense because the last time someone told me it was like 30 minutes and so I was thinking either she is really bad at timing (laughs) or I just somehow like made up time I'm not sure how Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I came into the 
aid station and yeah Coop told like he told me like okay yeah you're you're you made up time on her in the climb and um she left the aid station I don't know how many minutes ago and I was like oh wow okay I I mean still like at that point I was having trouble eating I mean I cheese sandwich but that was a while before um and he had we had completely just like thrown my whole nutrition plan out the window and he had bought like white bread at the store and was making like butter (laughs) butter sandwiches on like wonder bread essentially uh so I was still a bit like I don't know if I can manage this like I am now eating bread out of a bag as my (laughs) race nutrition uh so I, yeah, they were telling me, oh, you're, you're gaining time again, but I was thinking, okay, but I'm not really that sure, but okay, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just keep moving like I'm moving and let's just see what happens after that. Um, yeah. And then a hiker told me in the climb right after Jean Pelac, uh, he told me that I, he said, oh, you're two minutes behind the girl. But I was thinking that, that like I was having trouble with my French and I was like I was like retranslating it in my head like did he actually say that or did he say I was the second girl and I was like no I'm pretty sure I understand simple words like that um and yeah so then yeah a few minutes later I saw her up ahead and I was like okay wow I just made up a lot of time without you know without doing anything crazy I was just like going at a pace I felt was manageable um, yeah Oh yeah, and then I was behind her towards the top of the climb and um, passed her right after we started descending because I saw she was, I think it's when her psoas was starting to really hurt her. And I could see she was, she just didn't look that smooth and I was kind of like, oh, she might be limping, I'm not sure. That's exactly what I was going to ask you because um, she's like... You know, I was I was trying to hold form so Katie wouldn't know that I was injured, but like she was basically okay, in yeah. so much pain that like <laughs> I was going to ask you if you noticed her form was off or had changed or anything. Um, yeah, it so sounds like you did you did pick down, up on she, it, right? Yeah, she kind of like tripped like she tripped a bit in in like a rock that I had just seen her running, you know, a few hours before and she didn't look like that a few hours before. So I was like, ah, it seems like there's something happening here. And when I passed her, she didn't like try to follow me. So I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know if she's having a bad moment and maybe she'll come back or if maybe she needed to pee and just wanted me, you know, you never know. So <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah. And, and you look good. You were smiling. Um, I think it's Trient where, or it might've been Valerie. I, I can't remember. I think it's Trient. You, you were smiling and looking good. Like it seemed like your spirits had picked up substantially. I mean, tell me more about getting down there and then, um, making your way down to Valerie. Yeah. After that is, I really don't have any like particular memories. Um, yeah, it just was, it was kind of starting to hit me that I was like in the weed again. And then I was getting splits that I was still taking time. So I was thinking, okay, I, this, this is very likely that I can win at this point. I mean, there was still a long way to go. So I wasn't just saying like, Oh, I'm going to win now. It was like, okay, I, I have a chance now. Um, 
because of course I was also thinking, you know, I, she was 30 minutes ahead of me and then I came back so she could very easily do the same thing to me. So I was still like a bit stressed, like, uh, gotta keep moving. Um, do you remember yeah, the guy just, playing violin? Oh, it's my friend Simon. Yeah. That was okay. That was your friend. I have a shot, uh, that will be in the film where it's like focused on him oh, okay. and then it's focused on you. And I think it's Trient. Trient has the pink church, correct? I'm. Yeah. I think I'm remembering the right city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So so go ahead. You yeah. you were. It sounds like kind of being no, conservative, nothing, being humble. Nothing. Yeah, nothing really interesting happened after that. I mean, I just tried to keep a an honest effort and. Yeah, I yeah, I don't have a lot of like memories after Trion. Um, <laughs> just in general until yeah. the finish line, like you're just watching. Yeah, I mean there's like footstep. a ton of people I saw that I was super happy to see, but nothing. I mean I had a bloody nose. That was the only like weird thing that happened, but that's kind of normal for me. Um but yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I mean pretty normal in the sport honestly especially if it's dry out i mean and so what was it like yeah i I also just i know i just i also had a lot of bloody noses when i was a kid and still get them sometimes so i wasn't that surprised (laughs) okay and getting down i mean getting up through the last climb i mean what's going through your head as it becomes more and more apparent to you that you're 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 gonna win i mean are you still not running scared but you're still like essentially conservative humble and knowing like anything could happen or after that final climb and you probably got splits and you're like oh yeah like this is in the bag as long as i don't like break my ankle anywhere yeah kind of in the the climb to tetovant i uh, who a friend was there, somebody following the race, told me that Marianne still hadn't arrived in Valorcine. And you're like, I had, I don't even know how far I had gone from Teto, from Valorcine at that point, but I knew, like, uh, calculating in my head how far away that was and could kind of say, like, okay, it's unless she makes like a huge sprint at the end, there's it's very likely that I've got this now. I just need to like not do anything stupid. And yeah, so I was still focused on like, okay, don't be stupid. Like keep eating, keep drinking, keep taking care of yourself. Um, There's still, I I mean, I know the the whole race, so I knew how much was left Um, and it's not an easy ending. So yeah, I was just still trying to manage myself, Um, but was for sure. Yeah, I'll admit I was like definitely more relaxed there because I knew it was pretty likely. Any any close calls? Any twisted ankles? Because it does get gets pretty technical, and you've put so much on your legs that they're not operating like they normally do. And it this is this is some techie stuff before you hit kind of that last descent onto the roads. Um, no no hiccups at all. Yeah, I haven't had time to no, review I mean, the live stuff either. No, I mean, it's kind of technical there, but it's not like a technical descent or anything. So you're not really risking anything. Right. Uh, yeah. It honestly just gives you a nice excuse to like not have to run. So 
so yeah <laughs> i was like fast walking most of it they're all like these sharply pointed i don't know this this was back in 19 when i did or 18 when i did ccc it was like perfectly positioned like pointy rocks i don't know um i found it really difficult even just doing ccc so i can't imagine like in the lead of utmb looking at these sharp kind of pointy rocks that are on the trail and trying to like navigate each step um yeah i would say that terrain is more like the terrain i would normally run on so oh, okay it yeah it's yeah I, I find it okay i mean at the end of utmb you're also like i mean i wasn't jogging or anything you know when it gets technical you're just like okay it's utmb like my legs don't do that right now i just like walk as fast as i can <laughs> i mean it's it's nice to hear um i'm not the only one walking out there um so what's uh, most of the sport is walking so <laughs> <laughs> what what's it like being in the lead and dropping down into chamonix like are you ecstatic or are you just exhausted to the point of can't really enjoy the moment? I mean, there has to be a million things going through your head. You've tried this race so many times. Uh, you've, you've had the ups and the downs and it seems like that was your, you had your day, you know, what was going through your head? Yeah. <laughs> I I think I was kind of blackout actually. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh my god, remember. I can't believe this is a real thing that's happening in my life. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just I didn't really know what to do. I was kind of like, what do I do? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, uh, I'm happy, but I'm also really tired. I would really like to sit down. Um, but I wanted to like high five everyone and give hugs to people that I recognized, but I was on, there was honestly just too many people that I just was focused on getting to the end, kind of stopping, taking off my bag and then reevaluating what to do next. Um, yeah, just, I don't know what it was in my head. <laughs> you should have just sat down at a table, like in town just to be like, I got so much, yeah, I, I got time. I can take five minutes and just join a random family that's having lunch out there or dinner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I did sit down after. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, uh, I mean, I loved, I loved you coming in, the excitement of the crowd. I mean, and it did honestly, uh, having like kind of reviewed that and been right there at the finish line, like you were. It was kind of like an outer body experience you were having. It seemed like you were happy, exhausted. And like you said, like, had you just not contemplated winning? Had you been so focused on all the aspects of the race? Like you just hadn't visualized or thought about coming through and, and actually winning. Yeah, I think yeah, that that's part of it. Um, I mean, I tried to be a bit more forward with my goals in the past, but like in the past few years, just saying out loud, like, yeah, I would like to win UTMB one day. But I, I don't think I ever really like fully comprehended how what that would look like or like how it would feel. Um, so yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit. Um, 
I, w- I don't want to say surprise because it's something I've been training for for a long time and something I've wanted for a long time. But yeah, it was just kind of like, okay, I don't know how this works. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, it, you, you were super humble too. Like, I think part of that might've been exhaustion, but coming through, it wasn't like you weren't running down and drinking people's beers. Um, you were, <laughs> you, you were, um, you were composed and, um, yeah, I, I thought it was really enjoyable to see and just huge congrats. I did like you, you with the bottle of champagne and spraying it all everywhere and then realizing like you wanted to have a sip, but there's nothing left. And, uh, Oh no, I did not want to drink that. My oh. friend like <laughs> forced okay, me so- to do that. And I was like, I cannot after, after what happened with the Coke in Arnova, I was like, if I drink this and then <laughs> the Bro. same thing happens on the finish line, this would not be pretty. <laughs> And you, you were composed for probably half an hour after the finish line. Like, so as the listener probably watched live, like you're being hit with all these questions and then you have to go back out and smile and like kind of pose for photos. And then you have like this whole international kind of press box that hits you with all these questions, especially those hard hitting ones about the uh, White Mountains and... (laughs) that I tried to throw in once again, to lighten the mood. Uh, I mean, were you, how, how was it like after all of that happened and you like go back, it seems like your energy levels were high enough that you came back to see Marianne finish or say congrats to her. Like I, I can't imagine um, like how exhausted you were throughout that all. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was surprising to me is in past the past two times I finished, I've passed out at the finish line and I was impressed with myself for not passing out. And yeah, there was a lot of emotions, especially because my partner, he ended up getting COVID um, and had to stop during the race. So he was at the finish line to celebrate like, from a distance I mean he he did his best to not like go near anyone he was wearing a mask and everything uh he just wanted to be there quickly to like congratulate me but then so you see someone who's you know kind of been through the same build-up as you the same amount of like dedication and training and it's really hard to see somebody like while you are having this insane experience and then you see that like your partner having the opposite experience uh so that was a bit emotional at the same time uh also that was yeah that was kind of difficult to like manage my emotions towards him and then also myself um and yeah just right after i uh yeah i guess that there was a few questions and then um I kind of escaped to the North Face Cafe where they had some like pizza and stuff. And that's when I had to lay down for a little bit. You didn't see me laying down uh, in between when Marion arrived <laughs> and when I finished. <laughs> can I, I crashed on the bed for a solid 20 minutes. <laughs> can I say that that was a class act to come back and cr- congratulate um, second place, even though you were exhausted uh, I, I thought very, very highly of 
you going through the efforts to do that. Um, and I, I think all around your class act, I'm super excited for you. I'm just happy, generally happy for everything that's taken place since, I mean, our, our conversation right before lockdowns, I mean, your, your life's changed so much, uh, for the better. And it seems like all your priorities are in the right, right places. And, uh, you're probably one of the more humble runners I've ever been able to, to speak with. So, um, just huge congratulations. You, you won, I believe the biggest race in the world. Um, and had just an awesome day coming back from coming back from the dead, sort of, you know. Thank you. It's very kind. <laughs> so my last question is what's your big what's your big takeaway from winning UTMB? Is there one or two big kind of summary, deeper level kind of thoughts or takeaways that you have? Uh, I think the main thing is just like, like say your goals out loud. I think just telling people like that I did want to win UTMB, that was like the first step for me to acknowledge where my true goals were and also take on kind of that responsibility, I'd say, as like, okay, if that's really your goal, then you need to that I need to like do everything I can and make the best effort at everything in my control um and then also just yeah keep keep showing up because uh it took me three three tries to get uh to get it right and uh just because it doesn't work on the first time or the second time doesn't mean it can't work on the third or fourth or fifth time awesome Katie, thanks so much for your time. Truly appreciate it. Thank you. And that was episode 217. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you to Katie for taking so much of her time. Big thank you to podcast supporters, Tannery Outdoors, and Exoskin. Shout out to you Patreon supporters. Most importantly, don't forget to enjoy your training. Have a great week.